Good evening, and we're on the air once again, live streaming another edition of Folks Talking Sports. I'm one of the hosts, Chris Gardner, KG of the Houston Round Ball Review. And joining me, as you see on the screen, is, I guess, now the youngest member of the group, James Mueller, the sports editor of the Daily Cougar. How are you, sir? Doing well. How about yourself? Doing pretty well. Um, Willie Gibson will join us shortly. Andy Yanez from Community Impact Newspaper and Paul Slamajama is in Washington, D.C. this evening. He won't be able to join us, so it'll just be the three of us for most of the show. I'm going to get right into it. Uh, James, I think, were you, were you on the press conference, Thursday's press conference with Coach Kelvin Sampson? I was not in that one. I went back and listened to it. I was in the one with Dana and... Uh... Chris Pesman, but I had something going on at that time, but I went back and listened to it all. Yeah, no, no problem. Minutes. No problem. And uh, we're going to bring in Mr. Uh, Buckeye from the Ohio State so he can shake his head at uh, what we're going to discuss about uh, Houston Cougars athletics and their fundraising campaign. Mr. Willie Gibson, sir, how are you? Yes, I'm going to. It's not really tossing rocks at you, sir. You're just big time athletics where Houston is has aspirations to get to so that's and that's a far far goal but one of the things they announced on uh, Thursday was a fun fundraising campaign uh, mm -hmm. catchphrase Houston rise with the goal of raising mm -hmm. 150 million dollars for basically facilities football facility mainly but to get ready for the big 12 okay so that's the goal and then you know, do some upgrades here and there, facilities and all those things. But that's the initial goal is to raise $150 million. The majority of that, I think James, correct me if I'm wrong, will go to football. But 150 that's a lot. But as we're going to hear, Mr. Gibson, first of all, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm being so rude. Mr. Gibson, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm good, sir. I'm good. How are you? So that 150 between you, Andy, and James pretty much covers it, right? Three of you? Yeah, I, yeah, I got the dollar. And then uh, okay. Andy can pay for the one forty nine nine eight nine, and, and I think James can have the other dollar. So, okay. but yeah, Andy Andy can cover most of that. But yeah. to his credit, uh, Coach Hogerson, football coach, has now James. Is it accurate? Has he has he pledged the million dollars, or has it already been taken out of his salary to go toward the the Houston Rise campaign? I'm I assume it's probably been taken out. I know like. He pledged it. I've, I, they didn't announce like officially, but I assume like when they like opened up because the, they opened up, you know, the fund now officially. That right. was probably the first thing that went in because that was sort of the starting bid. And um, so I assume it's been, been taken out of Fulgerson's account now, but um, I don't know for sure. So that's the question. And honestly, James, Will, I, I didn't even think about asking uh, Coach Kelvin Sampson in his media session on Thursday if he had pledged. Uh, to contribute something didn't come up didn't cross my mind i asked him a few other questions about everything but mr gibson james audience thank you for tuning in watching us on our folks talk sports twitter account as well as on the houston round bar review youtube channel i gotta do a better job of plugging our folks talk sports twitter account it's all these new things we're learning as we're growing here as we grow and and grow and seek sponsorship for this show and other shows on the Houston Round Bar Review channel. We'll talk Rockets and NBA draft later, but right now we're gonna focus on Houston Rise. I want Willie to hear comments, open comments from head coach Kelvin Sampson Thursday about the Houston Rise fundraising campaign. The first voice you'll hear, the question is from colleague Joseph Duarte from Houston Chronicle. And then coach Sampson does what he does. He asks one question and he takes eight, nine minutes to give the answer. So it's a very thorough answer, Will, and audience. So just be patient. I know some folks in today's society have short attention spans, but just bear with us. This is still folks talking sports, but you're gonna hear head coach Kelvin Sampson giving his opening thoughts on the announced campaign for Houston Athletics, Houston Rise with the initial goal of raising $150 million. Here we go. Head coach Kelvin Sampson. Someone who has uh, knows how, how things are operated in a, in a power conference. I was wondering if I could get your thoughts on today's uh, campaign launch uh, and what what that 
potentially means uh, for pro, you know, for the athletic department and specifically for basketball, uh, and and that how that money can be used to uh, to sort of arm you for for your Big Twelve entrance. Well, think about think about the Texas teams that went to the Big Twelve in nineteen ninety seven. Um, so it's just operated off twenty years. You know, so they they've had twenty years of getting probably, I think this year the uh, TV payout for each school was around forty two million. <clears throat> so it was just making an even number uh, for the sake of uh, the point. Let's say you get twenty years of uh, thirty million dollars. You know, ten years would be three hundred million. Uh, twenty years would be six hundred million. So. Uh, um and um what's the goal of rise what was the number 150 million okay 150 million versus 600 million that gives you an idea how far behind uh, we are and we're launch launching a campaign uh, and you have to put it in perspective you know, everybody's excited about the big 12. um uh, but you know uh, I don't know about the other three schools, but we're not going in there on a level playing field. 150 million is not going to level the playing field either, but it's a start and it's a critical start. It's important. You know, we have a lot of people excited. Um, you know, we we need participation. You know, there's there's spectators and there's participators. We, we don't need anybody sitting outside the fence telling us how to do it. You know, I call that the village idiot theory. The village idiot can figure out most problems. You don't have to be very smart to do that. You know, what, what we need is, is people that's willing to get in here and fight with us, get inside the arena and help us find solutions. You know, solutions is, you know, football operations building. You know, uh, it's not important, it's critical. You know, in this day and age, it's almost unfathomable to think that we're going to the power five without one. Um, uh, you know, we moved into this um, beautiful basketball uh, development center in 2016. That was six years ago. You know, uh, the teams that in the last two or three years that that uh, either had renovated, remodeled, or built new ones, um, it tells you how far behind we are with them. Uh, but you know. Uh, raising money at a school like University of Houston um, um, ha has to be uh, important to our fan base. You know, we, we need our fan base to be engaged with us. You know, Cougar Pride is a vehicle. Um, that's a vehicle for you to get involved with us. You know, we, we need you to understand uh, your importance. Um, you know, John Gladchuk is coming here, I think, with great energy, great ideas. Um, but, but um, you know, fundraising and the way we fundraise has to change, period. You know, we, we can't be archaic. You know, this is 2022. You know, I, I want to know, I want to know um, what the Big Ten schools, because all of a sudden that's that's our platform. You know, we're we're on the same level as those schools. Um, how are they raising money today? You know, what what is what is the um, um, what is your formula? What is our formula? How has it changed? Because it needs to change. You know, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got, right? You know, and and um, you know, I've been here uh, eight years. Uh, for instance, um, um, I'm thinking about how many times I've been out in front of our fan base and engaging in them and asking them to help us raise money. You know, but maybe the coaches aren't important in that. You know, we haven't been used in that area, uh, but other schools are doing it. And so we we've got we've got to get outside our comfort zone and uh, figure out how this thing's going to work. But um, I'm worried about that. I'm excited about the Big 12. That's cool. We're going to the Big 12. Okay, $150 million uh, campaign. Um, I, I think that's a start. But we need to raise $500 million, $400 million. Um, a football operations building in five years is going to have to be renovated. You know, um, you know, football and basketball, 
uh, at these schools. You know, <clears throat> obviously, I know a lot more about basketball, but you know, Texas Tech was about one point away from the last three national champions coming from this conference we're moving into. You know, Texas Tech could easily win the national championship. Baylor did. Kansas did. Now, that's that's the conference win. Those are the top three teams in that conference. Um, um, but their resources are different than our resources. You know, we, we have to – and we're playing catch-up, and we're going to be playing catch-up uh, for a while. So uh, I applaud, uh, and it's important, you know, and it's, uh, it's, it's a good undertaking. But, you know, our, our fan base, our donors, our alumni have to understand that, um, you know, these schools uh, are 600 to $700 million ahead of us over a 25-year period. Um, whereas, you know, we've been getting three to five million a year, five to seven million a year, seven to eight million a year over the last uh, 25 years. Those schools have been getting 30 to 40, 42 million. I think it was 42 million actually this year. So 150 million doesn't solve the problem. What it does is gets us on the, gets us on the road to uh, understanding the importance of um, um, facilities that need to be address today. You know, uh, Dana's going into a league where um, uh, every team is fighting for a spot in the college football playoffs. Uh, in a given year, any of them can do it because of the resources and the facilities that they have. Um, and, um, you know, in basketball, you know, we've, um, um, we've got a beautiful arena, a game day atmosphere. Uh, that I'll stack up against uh, uh, anybody's. But um, um, it's behind the scenes. You know, people show up on game day and make assumptions. Um, but, um, you know, I don't want to be the little engine that could. You know, I, I, don't, I, don't, want, I don't want that uh, moniker uh, put on us, you know, that here, you know, here's all these big 12 schools and here comes, here comes Houston. You know, I want to stand shoulder to shoulder with these people. You know, um, you know we're not. We're you know we're, I don't want to start games off by thanking them for letting us be in your league. You know, we're in this league. You know, I expect to compete in this league, but we need the resources to give us a chance to uh, uh, compete. Um, and now uh, the facilities component, you can add the NIL component. You know, it never ends. That's why you don't put commas by anything in, in athletics, whether it's competition or fundraising. Um, uh, I'm sorry, you don't put periods uh, behind anything. You put commas. Okay, we raise 150 million, comma. We got to go raise another 100 million, comma. We need to raise another 100 million, comma. There is no period. You're, 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 you're never finished. It's, you're always climbing the mountain, uh, especially in this league we're going into. Um, but I want to say this about the American Athletic Conference. The American Athletic Conference, I think, is the best thing ever happened to the University of Houston Athletics um, after we got uh, uh, shut out of going to the Big 12. Um, I've been in this league for eight years. Uh, Commissioner Oresco and the um, great people on his staff you know, have been a godsend for us. You know, I, I've appreciated being in, being in the American Athletic Conference. It's been a honor carrying the banner uh, for this conference um, uh, these last last five or six years. So, you know, as, as we head into our last year, I have deep appreciation and sincere thanks for um, being able to compete in this conference. But but we're also excited about um, what's coming up in the future. What are your thoughts on that? <clears throat> about And James, as a student at UH, is that realistic? What Coach Sampson said about raising more money, reaching the 150, but then you got to raise more. Is that realistic considering the apathy that has been at Houston for so long? <clears throat> uh, yeah, I mean, you want me to go first or? Yes. Okay. I mean, 150 is going to be a lot to raise. I mean, just point blank that U of H hasn't done the best of jobs raising money in the past. Um, but 
I mean, it's necessary to compete. And like Coach Sampson was saying, Dana Holgerson, Chris Pesman all hit on this in their press conferences too. You know, this is just the start. If we're going to truly, they say, you know, if UH is truly going in there into the Big 12 to compete, I mean, the level of fundraising has to change. It's not realistic if the if they keep the same approach to how they fund, how the university's fundraised in the past because that just simply hasn't generated that type of money. Um, and like like I said, you're trying to start with 150, but then you're going to need a lot more than that after year after year and year after year. And so if you keep doing just staying uh, static in the way you're fundraising, yeah, you're going to get some money, but it's not going to be near the level you'll need. Will Willie Gibson from from an outside perspective, what are your thoughts on what you heard from Coach Sampson? He's 100% correct. Um, he's right. Uh, the 150 is a seed to generate continuous revenue. And I, I, the question I have for before I continue my answer, the, the goal is $150 million. Is there a time for established for that? Or is it just open, $150 million And once we get there, we, we move on. James, do you know about, is there a timetable on that 150? I think it's got to be soon. I don't think they're, they've put an official timetable, but like from everything I've gathered, they want this before uh, July 1st, 2023. You know, they want to be going into the Big 12 having raised this money already. I don't know if they, like I said, officially put a time frame, but they, Chris Pesman touched on this in his availability. He was like, you know, this is we're, this is like as urgent as we can be, you know. Um, in terms of raising this money. So they, they understand the importance in that it needs to come in a short time frame. Well, what, well, what just from an outside retort? Yeah, just outsider, not even athletically, not even Big Ten, Ohio State. I mean, begin with the end in mind to not have an established time frame to say we need this by this date, I think is, is an issue. I don't think that, to me, I, I, that kind of, I got parsing words carefully here. Um, <clears throat> that's uh, limited thinking, I guess is the best way I could say it, because, you know, why would you say I need $150 million, but don't tell anyone when you need it by? I, I, I don't know. That's just kind of the first thing that sticks out. And that's kind of why I asked, like, well, you know, okay, $150 million, but what's the time frame? And then to say, um, Back to Coach Sampson, he, he's right. It's 115 million, but it's going to be another hundred. It's going to be another hundred. You know, it, it's a, it's a, it's cyclical. It's continuous. Yes. You know, it's, it's not going to stop at 150 and say, "Hey, we got it. We're good." No, because the, uh, Texas is going to raise 450. Oklahoma, I mean, they're going to raise. I mean, I know they're going to the SEC, but these teams, Baylor. Is going to raise three hundred. I don't. I don't. But to say, uh, yeah, it's, I think some changes in the mindset, first and foremost, have to have to uh, happen before anything else. You and are I, correct. Go ahead, go ahead, James. Oh, uh, and I, I was just going to add on to that. Like, I think I hundred percent agree in terms of like you know the changes in mindsets and like like you said, like with a time frame, like in urgency, like putting specific dates. Cause one thing that Dana Holgerson mentioned when he spoke to us was that like, they have these plans for the football operation building. They have all the drawings, the renderings, but he gets reminded by our recruits all the time that they're just pictures. They're, they're not reality until they put that building in there, they can say whatever they want. So if you know, you're just like, yeah, we're going to build this eventually. There's no sense of urgency. That's hard when we're like, Willie's point is, you know, we need this money now because this building has to go up because you can't go into the big 12 and not have a football operations building. Um, Cause 150 million, if you don't put a time frame on that could take 10 years. I mean, that's right. Right. And, and, I, and my I, second question. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Wait, wait, go ahead. No, go ahead. Will, Cause I'm going to well, go old school. You wait in a second. Go ahead. So, uh Oh, <laughs> so refresh me. When was it announced Houston was, was joining the big 12? September. Last, September last year. September last year. So nine months to develop this campaign it's with actually, no time frame? To, to announce it. Yeah, it's, yeah. Been, right. it's been in the works for a while. Uh, one okay. thing okay. President said was that they were planning on launching this before COVID. So okay. which Fair kind of, that surprises me as well. Like it took them a longer time after the Big 12 to launch the campaign. But um, right. 
All right, now I'm going to go old man, get off my lawn stuff to my alma mater that I love dearly. Mr. Gibson, this is par for the course. They've been uh, reactive forever since I was a student at Houston. They, they just react too slowly. They're not proactive. They should have had a timetable included in the announcement in all of the, the banners and websites that, that's posted. They should have had a, they should have, they should need to make the change, um, a goal to raise this money, this 150 by December 1st, you know, whatever, December 31st, whatever, something. They should have had a goal because some people like goals, like deadlines, they thrive on deadlines. If, if it's open-ended, there are going to be some folks that say, well, there's no rush for me to, to donate my money, so I'll just wait and keep, hold on to my money. Whereas if you say they need it by August 31st or, or December 31st, well, let's get it in. Let's get it going. Let's get it started. Capitalize on the success of the football team, the bowl win from this past season. Capitalize on the success of the men's basketball team and the hype surrounding the men's hoops team going forward to this season. They need to do that. They should have done that. They don't do it. And now it's selfish, but it pertains to this show. As we've said on this show, pretty much the whole year we've been doing folks talking sports shows. The technology exists for Houston Athletics to capitalize on these platforms. Okay? Chris Pesman knows who I am, knows who James is, knows who Andy is. They could advertise on this show from now until Big 12 and reach an audience they don't reach right now. Trust me, they could do that. And the money would not break their bank, all right? We're not big enough yet to, to ask for the moon. But there will come a time we're going to ask for the moon because our audience dictates so. So they could advertise on this show and reach an audience that they have not reached. Those things like that, they need to do. I contacted them about, I mentioned to James about uh, the tailgating that a company does with Cincinnati, that it's more catered to the season ticket holders, but it's, it's, well, I think the Buckeyes probably do it, you know, big time programs do it. So it's something that Houston should do to take care of your fans, take care of your supporters, take care of those who take care of you. This all goes mm-hmm. hand in hand. Houston has said for a long time, they think of themselves as a big time program, big time athletic program, but you don't act like it. You don't behave like it. You don't think like it. You, you don't perform like it. So, the Big 12 is roughly 12 months away. We got what? 12 months and four days, four or five days, whatever it is. They need to be do better. They're still having issues in the sports information department. So for some strange reason, I no longer get women's basketball information. And yet I'm one of the few folks that covers women's basketball for the, for the program. Okay. So I'm putting that rock out there publicly because probably that has not seen the work. But there's so many things that they can do. The stream platform, the te- technology, all these things are there for them to reach their younger audience. Stop relying on old money. Okay, the older alums, that well is going to run dry. You need to hit up the younger alums. At some point, James will be an alum. You got to hit up the new generation where they watch sports where they interact with you as coach santa said in the clip if you continue doing what you did you're going to get what you got and what they got is not enough so that needs to change they need to change and think and act like it's 2022 not 2002 so they need to do that and i'm going to put this up here i don't know if james is in the tiktok because tiktok is not my thing Okay, but if I get am able to add an intern or someone to help me out on that side and do TikTok for Houston Round Barview, I'm going to do it because that's where the audience is. Those those short clips, they like that. One of the reasons the last two days I decided to divide up, cut up the Rockets press conference videos. See, Tillman and Rafael Stone talked to the media Tuesday, 12 minutes. I divide up into like seven seven clips all of those clips got more views than if i would have done it in a, as one 12 minute clip i'm talking about in the thousands all of them i do i post coach samson clips i'm not sure all five of them 
total up to a thousand. Okay, Kook fans, tell me where are you going to get Coach Samson interviews? We're on the internet because right now, if it's not football, it's not on UH Athletics web, uh, YouTube site. It's not on uhcougars.com. So you, you got to meet us halfway. If you want the Cougar content, you got to support the content that you that provide the people that provide you the content. And that's Houston Round Bar View. And there are other sites that do so as well. You got to support all of us. We can't do this on our own forever for nothing. This is a job. This is work. It takes time to do what we do, provide this info. And the Big 12 is no joke. I cover big time athletics. It's like Willie Gibson. This is a whole nother stratosphere Houston about to enter. And the athletic department and SID department, sports information, is not ready for that. That's just the reality of the situation. Now I'm going to step off my soapbox and be done. Thoughts to what I said, anybody? I mean, one thing I was I would just add is like, yes, UH Athletics can do like there's a lot of areas like you mentioned that they can improve, um, but also just like on fans, like if you truly care about this, like look at football season, the football season, the home schedule is not great, but you can get into all those games for 10 bucks a ticket. If you take that, there was say you I think they averaged somewhere around 25,000 last year. So that's 15,000 empty seats. If you fill up that that stadium six home games, that's a million plus bucks that goes to UH right there. There's like little ways that fans can do like, that doesn't cost much. Like, cause you can get into, this is an Ohio state where, you know, season or a single game ticket is five times the amount of a season ticket at UH. Like you, you can do little things like that to give back. And that that's one way, like, especially calling out the younger alums. That's one thing I asked Chris Pesman about, like how you get those involved. Like that's a way, you know, they might not have as much money, but there's cheaper options like this where you can get back to your university and it goes a long way. It might, it might not seem like much, but when you add it all up together, then that's, that's how you start piling up that money to get towards that 150 goal. Exactly. Will, before you uh, comment, uh, Coach Santa says in another clip, he's not asking for the money to come from only the wealthy alums. He's saying he knows that the, as James is going to be soon, the younger alums don't have the big time money yet, most of them. Okay, the recent alums. But if you get, let's see, let's say 10,000 alums, young alums, to donate, contribute 25 bucks, 25 to 50 bucks. Think about that. That stuff adds up. But if you don't interact with them, if you don't communicate with them, if you don't reach out to them, they're not going to know anything about Houston Rise if you don't have UH on TikTok, if you don't advertise on Folk Talking Sports, if you don't advertise on, on, on Kook fans, other platforms. This is where your audience, your younger audience is. If you're going to continue relying on the older generation who, God bless them, many of them have kept Houston Athletics afloat throughout these years. Stop going to that well because that well is about to run dry. Do something else and modernize what you're doing, Mr. Gibson. Well said. I don't know. I mean, we everyone said it countless times, not just today, but in previous shows as well. Um, I hate for it to get to the point where they get to the Big 12 and it's a realization, an awakening like, man, okay, okay. I think more so, and correct me if I'm wrong, I know they get a, a, a partial um allocation the first three years and then year four year they three, get a full year three year three full year three okay so so i don't know if they're just looking at man we're tripling our money in years one and two and that's just the the relaxation the we've made it but it's Again, it, it, it takes time to build that traction, build that momentum, and then it can it takes more time to continue it. And I don't know if they're going into this. I don't know the full workings and the ins and outs, but just as an outsider looking at this, this this could not this could not begin well. This is not beginning well. 
they're, they're, they're being reactionary. They're not being proactive. Yep. And yep. Coach Sampson and Coach Hogerson both coached in the Big 12. Yeah. So they know what it's like in the Big 12. So they can give you the ins and outs about facilities for other programs in the Big 12. So pick their brains, pick their knowledge, and be active. Stop waiting so late to do things. Coach Sampson said, and it surprised me. Well, it kind of didn't surprise me. One of the things, Will, he mentioned that, uh, James, I'm not sure you, you probably knew this, that uh, the golf teams, men's and women's golf teams, don't have their own lockers. Will. Wow. Don't and have the, their own lockers. The UH golf, men's golf team, I think, has the most uh, national champions of any school. They have, what, 16 or 17 national championships. Yeah. And no, no locker rooms. Like, so a successful program. In. Okay. And so they spend so much time on football. And up until the last year, that wasn't really justified. Men's basketball. They don't do enough promoting men's basketball. Let's be real about that. And that is a national program now. Nationally relevant program. Men's basketball. They don't do enough about that. Coach Sampson, I'm going to go to, I'm going to say it again. It, it doesn't have to be me. There needs to be a, a stream show with Houston Cougars men's basketball. Stream it, put it on ESPN Plus, put it on the Houston Cougars YouTube channel, something with the players and stop relying on the players on TikToks or the players on Twitter accounts or the players on Instagram. Do something with your athletes as I call them student assets, but do something with your teams, your own teams to let fans know, give the fans a better idea of the, who their players are representing their school. Because the technology is here for this to be done and it's not expensive. They gotta do better realizing this, come on. And when they get into Big 12 and Big 12 now is on ESPN Plus and you got that much larger platform, and you have almost every other member school in the Big 12 who has shows airing on the Big 12 now. Houston needs to be a part of that. They need to be a part of that. They need to think ahead. I'm reaching out to people at Houston, at UH. I'm talking with them about it, you know, trying to give them ideas. We'll see if they do anything about it. So I'm an alum first. But our media, and if y'all continue dropping the ball as media on our platforms, I will call you out. Go ahead, uh, I'll say this. I, I'm as you. I'm not a TikTok guy. You know, that's. I'm not. I'm just not in that demographic. However, I just searched as you were speaking. I googled Ohio State Athletics TikTok. First thing pops up: Ohio State football official TikTok. Next thing: Ohio State discover Ohio State football popular videos. Ohio State basketball TikTok. Ohio State Buckeyes, TikTok. Ohio State Track and Field, TikTok. Google Ohio UH, State bro. Football Recruiting. Google, okay. Google, Google Ohio UH. State Football Recruiting, yeah. TikTok. So, because I don't know. They might not have TikTok. I don't know. I mean, but could go, go even further than that. They don't do, like you mentioned before, mo most programs don't even do enough with Twitter, Instagram, the Facebook, the platforms that are already here, um, which like is... It, that that again has to change as well because I can't tell you how many times I've been asked by people um, who you know know I cover UH and they're like, "When's football going to release this hype video or whatever?" There, I'm like, "There's no hype video coming." Like, the, I mean, like you said, most of it comes from the athletes. The basketball team, the men's basketball team, does the best job out of any. There's still a lot of improvement for that, but then again, a lot of that's coming from Lauren Sampson and the players, right. um, rather than UH directly. And so there's so many areas, and like like you said. Kelvin, all of them mentioned, you know, the fundraising ways have to change. This is a simple way. It's not going to cost a lot. Like you said, just be more active, engage with your younger audience on social media because that's where they're getting their news. I mean, yes, it doesn't take a long time to make a 20 second TikTok video. Like, and, and part of it is there's not enough people in sports information department. It's understaffed. They work long hours. They don't have enough time to do all those things. They need to add to the staff. There needs to be an increase in staffing especially for the big 12. And if you need to have a, what do, what do you call it now? Social media content person, digital content, 
solely for football, make it happen. Solely for men's basketball, make it happen. Solely for track, make it happen. Do those things. Because what, they're, what they are doing and have done is not working for the younger audience. Hell, some of the things I'm doing aren't working for younger audiences. I'm trying to do better with that. I'm old. I'm 50 years old. If I'm trying to willing to learn new tricks, my goodness, y'all need to do this too. Especially if you want more money in fundraising. You got to do better than this. All right. How you coming, Will? How you doing on your search? Yes, here. It's Houston Cougars football. 5.3 million views. Um, all of the videos look like when did Houston play in the Birmingham Bowl? December. December. Okay. That's all here. Um, Anything recent? No, that's no. <laughs> exactly. That goes back to like, you know, like the spring game. It's not a true spring game. Don't advertise it. Fans don't show up where you have, you know, UT, Ohio State, 80,000 plus people coming. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, okay. We've, I think we've spoken enough on that. And once again, I'm Chris Gardner of Houston Round Bar Review. Joining me is James Mueller, Daily Cougar Sports Editor, and Willie Gibson. W, was it WHTG, Will? WTG. WTG here on Folks Talking Sports. Andy Yanez is in D.C. He tuned in. He's retweeting the show. So appreciate that. But you can catch us on Folks Talk Sports on Twitter, Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube. We are looking for a sponsor, especially during this, the dog days of summer to help us get through football season um, and football season and then a much anticipated men's basketball season and the final four, the 2023 men's final four will be in Houston. And there is hope, hope, cause it's not expectation, hope that the men's team, Cougars team could be one of the teams to reach the final four in Houston. Gentlemen, Mr. Said, Gibson. You said, you said football, right? Yep. Yep, go ahead. Oh, no, no. Just, again, not to belabor the point, but I had something yesterday come across my social media field, all platforms, mm -hmm. ten, 10 Saturdays until Ohio State football. I'm like, oh, is it? Like, yeah. Just, that was it. Yeah. 10 Saturdays until Ohio State football. Got James, it. have you gotten that for UH football? Uh, no. I mean, I don't think I've seen any, like, UH football-related news um, since the season ended other than uh, – was Dana's contract extended be after the season or before? I, couldn't, I can't remember. It, well, it was, it was announced during a basketball game. Yeah, I think it was after. That might have <laughs> oh, been yeah. the only news, re real news, um, and then schedule release. But even that, they don't do a big deal um, about that. They're just like, you know, our schedule's out. Yeah, you know, they they have to do better with the younger audience. And more and more of the older alums are active on social media platforms. You pick the right platform and meet them at that platform. Come on, this is mama, mama, we gotta do better. Gotta do better. You gotta do better if you expect more interaction and ultimately more dollars, mm -hmm. okay? I'm already making plans to be at the Big 12 Men's Basketball Media Day in October. All right, Houston's not even a member yet. I'm making plans to be at the Big 12 Media Day, okay? In person, all right? So yeah. I'm getting ready for next year when the Cougs are finally a member. Be proactive because as we know, the American is gonna be virtual. So I'm like, well, I'm gonna go somewhere in person this, this fall. <laughs> so that's my plan to be at the Big 12. Mr. Gibson, Mr. Mueller, yes, NBA draft was on Thursday. Your thoughts, Mr. Gibson, you first on what the Cavs did. Yeah. Uh, old Chai Abaji. Said yep. it right. He made sure he had a pronunciation video for all Cleveland fans to let everyone know. Old Chai Abaji from Kansas was the pick in the first round. Um, a lot of uh, split on, on what the pick should have been. A lot of Local people here in Columbus, as well as Cleveland, thought it should have been Ohio State freshman uh, Malachi Brandle and uh, Kobe Altman, general manager, or president of basketball operations. Pardon me, he's 
had a promotion over the summer, president of basketball operations, okay. uh, Kobe Altman explained. And he said simply, um, I'll paraphrase, talent acquisition is over. Uh, well, let me, let me clean that up. So you're always looking for talent. But basically, we're in win now. We're looking somebody, looking for someone. We found someone that's going to help us win now. Yes, Malachi Branham has an upside. Yes, with development and sidebar for him going 20 to San Antonio. That's a perfect spot for him mm -hmm. to develop under Pop in that system. Tremendous spot for him. But uh, back to Cleveland, they're looking for somebody that can, that can come in and contribute now. Uh, um, and he simply said, you know, Abaji played 4,000 minutes in college, four-year player, mm -hmm. most outstanding player of the Final Four, national champion, improved every year he was in Lawrence, Kansas. And he's someone that's going to come in at that wing and be an immediate contributor to a team that has playoff aspirations. Well, so, do you agree with that assessment? I do. I do. I do. Because, yeah, well, I'm biased. I'm a a kid from Akron. I'm a graduate of the Ohio State University. Of course, Malachi Branham would have been great for Cleveland. But for what they're looking at now, Darius Garland, Jared Allen, Lori Marketing, Okoro, maybe Colin Sexton, maybe Karis LeBert. We'll see. But for that team, absolutely. Abaji is fits like a glove it's for what they want to go, where they want to go. Oh, in the next, uh, what, 10 days or so, uh, Darius Garland will be offered the five-year, $185.7 million uh, maximum that I'm sure he will sign. Okay. And this team is going forward. They're going forward. So, yeah, I think for this team, yes, it was the right pick. James, this question is for you from Ace Sounds Finest 44. Do you like the Jabari Smith fit for the Rockets? versus Paolo Bencaro better. Yeah, I mean, Jabari was the top player on my board. Um, I think I like I like that fit for sure for the Rockets. I think he has a super high ceiling, and um, he's a versatile big um, that the Rockets really can use um, to go alongside. He can, you know, do stuff with the ball in his hands, but also, uh, you know, be, be that outlet guy, um, can shoot from wherever. Um, I, I think he'll fit real uh really nicely next to you know younger guards like Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., things like that. And I think I mean obviously defensively is where you want to see him improve a lot. Um the Rockets have to get a lot better on defense. But I think like in terms of the Rockets rebuild, I think he's he's a guy that fits really well in that system. And um I expect him to be uh you know a contributor from day one and just them starting to build continue to build around him as well. I I, I agree. I think uh, Jabari is a better fit. Splitting hairs here, better fit with Rockets, better fit with Alp Shangoon in the front court. I said for months that Jabari was my top player in this draft. You know, slightly ahead of Chet, slightly ahead of Paolo. He was my number one player. The Rocks had him at number three. So it's a win. They got Tar Eason at 17, Ty Ty Washington at 29. All three of those guys play defense. They like playing defense, which I love to hear. That, that just makes me happy. I love to hear young men. Who like playing defense? Who like to get after it? Will, I'm going to get to Ace Tom Finance. Next question. Did Ochai mention in his intro that he had a chip on his shoulder? No. He was, he, the main thing he mentioned was Cleveland felt like home. He was here on June 8th uh, for a pre draft. And um, he just felt like coming back, he felt like he was at home then. And him coming back for his intro, he just talked about how he felt like he was at home and he was ready to go to work. I ask you that because all three Rockets rookies, all three of them, Jabari, obviously, Tari, and Tata, all mentioned they had a chip on their shoulder. All three of them. I put it together and in included in last night's Let's Talk Houston Rockets. But all three of them at some point in their press conference mentioned they have a chip on their shoulder. We know why Jabari has a chip on his shoulder. And I'm going to ask you guys the question, put it on the screen. Do you think the way Orlando handled the Jabari Smith, Paolo number one pick situation is going to have a negative impact on how agents and players view Orlando? 
Um, I, I don't think so. I mean, what, what, how did they mishandle it? I don't, I mean. Yeah, I, I, I don't either. And I think A-Town's Finest 44 is going with the, everybody thought that Jabari would have go to Orlando at one. Mm-hmm. Paolo did, did not work out for Orlando. Mm-hmm. Yet Orlando picked Paolo at one. I mean, I don't, you know, Jabari did not work out for the Rockets. Yeah. Didn't stop them right. from picking him at three. So I don't believe it's going to be an issue at all. Individual workouts are just part of it. And Rafael Stone mentioned this. It's just an hour, 75 minutes. As long as the team do their due diligence, they got hundreds of hours of, of video to watch on players in their careers. One hour in a workout, whether they do it or not, come to workout for a team. Yeah. I don't think that's going to be that big of a deal. Did Jabari think he was going to be number one? Yes. Was he shocked he was at number, available at three? Yes. Did he look a little bit pissed off? Yes. Of course. But that's a pride thing because he wanted to be the first pick overall. But he's in a good spot for him. I don't think it's going to make that good. Now, if word comes out that you know, something shady that Orlando did, you know, barring that, it's going to happen, have a negative impact on them. This is business. And that's what this is now. This is NBA is a business. And it's kind of interesting that the Rockets' first summer league preseason game Orlando. He's against Orlando. <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty sure ESPN, because it's what ESPN does, is going to hype that up about C. Tune in to see the Houston Rockets and their third overall pick in the draft, Jabari Smith, play against Orlando Magic, a team that passed on him at number one to go against Paolo Bencaro, the player Orlando picked instead of Jabari Smith. Tune in for that game. I don't know if it's 9 o'clock Central Time or not, but Summer league game. I believe Jabari is going to circle the games on the schedule when it comes out for the regular season. Mm-hmm. For the rest of his career, he's going to Orlando. When we play Orlando, yeah, I got them on the schedule. But, you know, that's on him. You know, I mean, and whether he had a promise, ah, that's a, ah, people break promises all the time. And life, life goes on. You know, because I could say what I've heard, you know, Local area players, local area players will promise they get drafted. Didn't get drafted. Got two-way deal. That promise broken. Yeah. You know, six one hand, half dozen the other. This is business. This is business. Paolo being upset. He, he was shocked. Anybody been upset going to Orlando? Hey. Once again, those young men learned on Thursday. The NBA is a business, and now you need to handle yourselves accordingly going forward. James, I'm going to ask you because I don't want to pat myself on the back about my team's success on draft night, but give me your thoughts on the Detroit Pistons draft. Yeah, I thought they knocked it out on the park, honestly. Um, I was texting with one of my buddies who's a huge NBA fan, um, and he was like, you know, Weaver was the MVP of this draft because, <laughs> I mean, they, they got the two guys that – from what I've heard, you know, those were like their two biggest targets yep. from where they were. And they got it, and they didn't have to give up much to move up a little bit. So, yeah. Uh, Troy Weaver, GM, Detroit GM, I think he's still GM. Well, I don't think he's basketball operations or whatever. And if he is, my apologies, Mr. Weaver. He said that, you know, they had seven players they had their eye on. Jay Navi and Jalen Durham were their top two. So they got the two top players come out of this draft. So, I saw something. This is just today's this is society today. Uh, Detroit media put a spin on it about ask the question: Did Detroit, did Troy Weaver have the best draft in the history of Detroit sports <laughs> Thursday night? Wow. I'm like, wow. oh, okay, I don't know. I mean, I'm a fan. I was a fan of the Tigers a long, long time ago. I was a fan of the Red Wings a little bit. I still love hockey. Only hockey team I follow is, is the Red Wings. Lions, never been a fan of the Lions. So I don't know about all the ins and outs about all that, but just for them to put that out there, did he ask the question, did he have the best draft night in Detroit sports history? They're excited up there in, in Motortown. I mean, <laughs> so, what, they, what they brought in the past two, three years has been incredible. So it's, it's, it's very impressive. They still have plenty of cap room. Go sign some shooters. Um, Buddy Beheim got a two-way contract, but I don't believe Buddy Beheim is going to, 
be an immediate impact for the team. That could be, you know, down the line there for, for their three-point shooting. But good for them. They had a very – thank you to the Kings for drafting Keegan Murray and having hey. Jaden Ivey available at five to Detroit. But it's the Kings. I get, your th- get you guys' thoughts on this. Sacramento wants to make the playoffs. They want to break that – what is it now, 17 straight year drop, not making the playoffs. Yep. So they – Drafted Keegan Murray because he is going to Will's come with the Cavs and, and Ochai. He's more NBA ready now than Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey may have a better NBA career, more explosive going forward. But with the Kings, what the Kings have in the backcourt now, you know, it, it does make some sense for them to draft Keegan Murray for help this season immediately. What do y'all think about that? Agreed. I mean, as, as you said, they have uh, De'Aaron Fox already in the backcourt. They also have Sabonis. They also have um, other pieces. So they saw Keegan Murray as that final piece, if you will, to go with Mike Brown to get into the playoffs this year. I mean, that's, as you said, six and one half, half dozen the other. I, I saw... Keegan Murray shoot the lights out in Value City Arena in January against Ohio State. So without question, he can fill it up. So that being said, uh, Jaden I, Jaden Ivey as well for Purdue. But I mean, it was just a person for whatever, as you said, over the hours and hours of video that they saw scouting. I don't know those particular players took visits to Sacramento, but after Jaden didn't. He did not. Did not. So after all of uh, the scouting was done, the final decision was was Murray. And you know you can't knock that Sacramento for making the decision. Uh, Monty McNair was former Houston guy, right? Right. Uh huh. Monty McNair. Yeah. So he made the decision that he felt for his organization. So you know, God bless him. James, what do you think about what the Kings did? Um, I don't agree with people who say like, you know, it was a reach to pick Murray at four, like, you know, they, because you, some people have just completely overreacted. Like, how could you pass up on Ivy? But I think probably they should have went with Ivy. Cause my thing is, yes, Murray might, is probably more NBA ready now, but even with him, the best you are is play in maybe first round team. You're not going to, you're not a title contender still. Um, and so down the line, I think Ivy would have been the smarter pick, but I don't think Murray is like they reached or, and I don't think Murray will be a bust. So I think they got a solid player. Um, I think Ivy would have been the better term or option long term, but it wasn't like completely rid- a ridiculous pick or anything. And they, they, they stand by it, um, see what he does. Um, they got a good player. And so we'll see what happens. And I was, it seems like talking to folks in Detroit, the Pistons were expecting the Kings to draft Jaden Ivey, despite Jaden Ivey not working out for the Kings, despite Jaden Ivey kind of hinting, saying he wants to play in Detroit. So the, Detroit was kind of zeroing in on Keegan Murray or Benedict Matherin with the fifth pick. So when, when Jaden Ivey was there, they were like, oh, okay, well, thank you very much, Sacramento. You know, we got a top guy on the board. So they were prepared to not just go in a different direction. So, and I'm kind of going into a piston discussion here with a question from Ace Town's Finest regarding Killian Hayes. Detroit is happy with Killian Hayes coming off the bench. He's not a starter yet. You got Kay Cunningham, Jay Ivey, Killian Hayes coming off the bench. He's become a very, very good defensive player. All three of those young men need to become better three-point shooters consistently. But Killian Hayes defensively, he, he, he locked up dudes down the stretch last, last season, and he gave James Harden fits. I mean, just fits with him. So his defensive chops, that's where he is with, with his career now. He's not offensively. He's probably he's still better passer than Kate Cunningham. So people looking on the outside, looking in at Detroit, are down on Killian Hayes. He was hurt his rookie season, and he finally got healthy second season, and he got better. So development is there. Is, am I saying going to be an all-star in his career? Nope. But you need guys off that bench to come in and get stuff done for your team. And he could be one of those for sure. 
Mr. Gibson. Yes, sir. Deshaun Watson. Yes. You got 20 of the, what is it, 24? Yep. Resettlements. Yep. Uh, I think I saw today, early today, that he's supposed to go, well, a judge is supposed to, what, hear, uh, handle, meet, meet out something this week? What is, what's going on there? Yeah, uh, the joint NFL, NFLPA discipline officer, Sue Robinson, will meet with uh, Deshaun Watson and his team for his disciplinary hearing uh, beginning on Tuesday. So it uh, could take one to two days uh, for that hearing. And expectations are that by week's end or uh, early next week, a uh, decision will be made on punishment for Deshaun Watson. And the player association has what leaked their concerns that it's going to be a season long suspension initially. And then uh, Deshaun, his people will appeal it. And me and some of my colleagues Friday at the Rockets uh, media session while we're waiting for the Rockets to start. It started an hour late because the travel with some of the families and players getting to town. Figured it's kind of be it go from season long to, to 10 games. What do I think about that? Um, I think it may go maybe between six and eight. Between six and eight. Um, I could be wrong. No one knows. Um, mm -hmm. As I said last week, everyone is just hypothesizing right now. You know, I heard it was this. I heard it was that. Somebody told me it was this. I mean, we'll see. I think, you know, I've, I think it's going to be some, somewhere between six and eight games. And, you know, from there, you know, he has the right to appeal. And that appeal goes directly to Commissioner Roger Goodell. And we'll see what happens. James, I'm going to toss out um, a media perspective of this. The Browns and Texans play, you guys look it up. December 4th. December 4th. December 4th. So some of my buddies are like, the suspension will lift just in time for Deshaun and the Browns to play the Texans. National TV, hype, 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 hype. What do I think about that? I mean, I know the McNair family in Houston wants that to happen because that's the only game they'll sell out in RG <laughs> is if Deshaun's playing because, I mean, Houston's ready to go in there and, you know, let them hear it. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think from a financial side, it makes sense for, you know, TV rights, Texans, obviously, because that game's not going to get – I mean, you'll still get viewership and some attendance, but if Deshaun's not playing, it's – not that meaningful of a game, let's be honest, because the Texans aren't going to be great. Um, yeah, I mean, the only thing that makes that game a headline is Deshaun coming back to Houston and actually playing. James, I'm going to ask you, as we wrap it up here on this edition of Folks Talking Sports, any thoughts on who uh, the Houston Cougars women's team uh, added to their roster on, what was it, Tuesday? Uh, I mean, I haven't had a ton of thoughts. I'm still... Like like we've talked about before, this this program still has a long way to go, and there's a lot of decisions to be made. Um, and so I don't think, in terms of just like you know, they're not they're not a few pieces away. There's a lot that needs to change in that program, in my opinion. And um, so I mean, I don't have a ton of thoughts. I don't know a ton about you know all their additions or anything. Um, and I mean, we'll see we'll see what happens. But I don't think that it's a, like in addition that's like you know going to take him over the top at all and and will you're going to love this so i put it up real quick um mm -hmm. the u8s announced the, the signings the additions of two transfers to women's basketball mm -hmm. in the press release mr gibson mr mueller there is no quotes no quotes from coach huey about either player really uh, Kiera Sandlin, she's a guard. Thinks she's five ten guard. That's the one from Rutgers, Rutgers, right? Right. She played a little bit her past what freshman year at Rutgers and played in ten games, six minutes in those games. And the other young lady, six four from Gulf Coast State College, she's from Utah. Uh, but yes, no quotes from head coach Ronald Huey 
in their press release about the transfers. That's, that's, that's not big time basketball. I'm it goes sorry. back to doing the bare minimum. Yeah. Like. And I yeah. could not do anything about it because I did not get the email about it. So I didn't I did not know enough to contact Coach Huey to get comments about the players because as far as UH is concerned, I still have not, have not received any information about it. But I'm I know basketball. So I got contacts and friends and I was asked about it. And I said I had no idea. So I'm gonna reach out to them on Monday and see if I can get this fixed for the third time. And if not, I'll light them up here on this show and on my platforms on the YouTube channel going forward. Last thing, we're going to wrap it up here with this question from Wild Thing Music. Will Kevin Porter help Ty Ty become a pro? I'll flip it around. Will Ty Ty help Kevin Porter become a better player? Thank that part. Yeah, that's that's my thing. I think Ty Ty is a, is a more of a point guard and will help get Scoot off the ball more, and that'll help Scoot be a better player. That's my thoughts on that. What do you guys think? Mm. I saw Kevin Porter Jr. in Cleveland between you and me. Mm. Uh, not sure if he's in that mentorship role yet. Oh, that for sure. Yeah, he's he's not that. He needs to be more yeah. mature himself. Yeah, he's, he's not ready to to help mentor other young players. He's got to take care of himself first. Definitely, I agree with that for sure. James, yep. what do you think? Yeah, I hundred percent agree. Like only person on their ro roster really that they have from the guard perspective i guess you can count john wall but i mean he doesn't don't, that's not, he doesn't want to do anything to do with the yeah. but eric gordon but eric gordon's probably i mean it sounds like they're shopping him pretty actively and we'll see what happens um but like no other player kevin porter jr like will said is not a mentorship role and i also i, I think you make a good point where ty ty will you know open up the floor more for uh kpj um and so i think they can both improve each other when on the court together, but for, in terms of mentorship role, I mean, Ty Ty, I'm not going to Kevin Porter Jr. as my mentor in, you know, coming into the league. Fair, yeah. Ooh. And the, the thing about Eric Gordon, the Rockets are asking for a first-round pick. That's been reported for a while. I, I don't know everything, okay? I say that from the jump. But I wonder... If because Eric Gordon's contract next season is, I think, has a partial guarantee. But I wonder if any teams are willing to give up a first round pick and the Rockets are just asking for the moon as in a first round pick for Eric Gordon, knowing that the majority of teams won't do that and Eric will still stay on the Rockets and be the veteran in the locker room. Because I'm not sure how many teams will give up a first-round pick for Eric Gordon. What do you think about that, James, from that, that, that perspective of it? No, I mean, I, I hear that point for sure. I think I think you can see for sure that the Rockets can are trying to, you know, milk this out and get as much as they want from it because, like you said, worst-case scenario, you have a leader in the locker room. You won't have that without him there, at least from the guard perspective because um, everyone else is super young. Um, and so, you know, trying – I do think – will probably end up getting moved before the trade deadline. I don't know if they'll get it first, um, but I think the Rockets, you know, I mean, they're not going to budge from their asking price right now because there's not a huge downside um, at this point in time. Come the deadline, if, you know, a team really needs a guy, uh, you know, a guy who can run their second unit, uh, another shot maker, another ball handler, a good defender off the bench. Teams might be willing, more willing to give it up than if you know they're a playoff contending team and feel like you know he can be that piece that you know is what it brings what they need. So there's no, there's no uh, like I don't sense any urgency in the Rockets. To, you know we have to move on from him now um, because it's not like he's hurting you having him on the roster. Agreed. And Eric has not has not asked to be traded. Okay, he's content. He just wants to be sure the Rockets are going in a, a direction that results in winning. He wants to be convinced that the plan the, the Rockets have is working. So he hasn't asked for a trade. He hasn't asked to, you know, he's be content to stay here and retire Rocket. So we'll see how it all plays out as we wrap it up here on Folks Talking Sports. James Mueller, I'm going to post it up here, go across the screen. But how can folks get in touch with you, sir? 
Yeah, on Twitter, you can find me, like it says below, at JDM2186, and then all my coverage of UH is at thedailycougar.com. Mr. Willie Gibson, how can folks follow you, sir? Thank you, sir. As the uh, crawl says, Will Gibson 7 on Twitter, as well as Instagram, and WTGSports.com. And I am on Twitter at VHR Review. Do I have that solo anywhere? If not, y'all can y'all know how to find me. Um, T H E H R Review. That's me on Twitter. Uh, Houston Round Bar Review, of course, on YouTube and also on Instagram. Thank you very much to everybody who tuned in to us and communicated with us on the live stream on YouTube, but also watched us on Folks Talk Sports on our Twitter account. Uh, We'll see if we have a show next Sunday. It's 4th of July weekend. Well, yeah, let's, let's have a show. I kind of went back and forth on this because well, we should have some, at minimum, some NBA free agency news to discuss. Yeah. So let's do that. So next Sunday, roughly the same time, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central for the next Folks Talking Sports live stream show. Still looking for sponsors as we will going forward. Hint, hint. Houston Athletics, hint, hint, Houston alums. We're going forward. We got big plans going forward. Y'all need to come come on the train and ride with us. As always, I'm Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar View. Thank you to my man, James Mueller, sports editor of Navy Cougar, and Willie Gibson, WTG. It's been a blast as always. Until next Sunday, y'all take care. Peace.